If you're like me, the first thing you do when traveling is check out what's happening with the local food scene, right? And as I've been planning my big book tour and live podcast tapings all around the country, man, I am very excited to eat my way across the nation. There's Atlanta, there's Miami, and so many more. Going to local restaurants gives you a great taste of that place. And if you pay your bill with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum Amex, you get double miles at restaurants. Getting a taste of local food is the best way to get to know the local culture. And if you travel, you know that's how it's done. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. I am extremely excited about what's going on at Whole Foods Market right now. It is the Taste the Mediterranean sales event, a store-wide, flavor-packed journey of regionally-inspired selections. Save on Mediterranean-inspired flavors like Parmigiano-Reggiano, Charcuterie, Whole Branzino, Sustainable Wild-Caught Sockeye Salmon. Right now, they're on sale at Whole Foods, okay? Wines from the sun-soaked vineyards of Spain, Greece, and Italy start at just $8.99. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. How are you actually getting to advertise a new sponsorship and get lots of supermarkets to sell it? What if the supermarket people who, who choose like what the supermarket sells didn't even heard of you? Previously on the Sporkful's Mission Impossible. We are going to set out to invent a new pasta shape. I, I can't even think of a shape that doesn't already exist. <laughs> I think this is a fascinating project, and I think it's going to be so much harder than you imagine it to be. I guess I'm hoping to find like a mid-level company. There aren't any. I don't want to lose $20,000 because right. you're, you want to like try something for fun. I'm just like feeling very discouraged. I feel like maybe this is stupid. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Welcome to part three of Mission Impossible, my quest to invent a new pasta shape, actually get it made, and actually sell it. If you haven't heard parts one and two, please go back and start there. Okay, let's do this. When I was a kid, I was a huge baseball fan. I collected and cataloged baseball cards obsessively, and I read about all my favorite players in Sports Illustrated, which arrived in the mail every week. One day, I read a profile of Juan Guzman, who was an all-star pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, and it talked about his intense workout regimen. He said, if I'm going to lose, I don't ever want to wonder if there's something else I could have done. I need to know I did everything I could do to win. Well, right now it feels like I'm on the mound, the bases are loaded, the other team's best hitter is up, and we're way behind. So I'm channeling Juan Guzman. If I'm going to lose, I don't want to have any regrets. I need to know I've done everything I could possibly do to make this happen. And I'm not at that point yet. I've got to find a pasta maker who'll work with me. And I've got to design my shape. In the last episode, we met Chris Maldari. His family has been making pasta dyes in New York for over 100 years. Remember, the dye is like the mold for the shape. I need Chris to manufacture the dye so I can take it to a company that will make the pasta, dry it, box it, and ship it. Now, Chris says no company in America is going to want to do that for us without me laying out 20 grand up front. But if we do find a partner, then we can go ahead with Chris and get the dye made. So... 
Sporkful Producers and I start making calls to pasta companies. Negli Stati Uniti ho studiato, però ho viaggiato un po' in Italia. Our producer, Gofana Putubuele, speaks Italian, so he calls up Flavia Garzia. She works for Garofalo, a pasta company based in Italy that distributes in the U.S. If we want to, like, work with you guys to, to get a pasta made, like, what would the process even look like? Mm, let me say everything can be done, no? <laughs> but there are like changing a die on a production line is a very big deal. It's not like when you're uh, blending your uh, shake in the morning and you change from uh, topping to yeah puree. Uh, just exactly, <laughs> uh-huh. it's like a very long process that requires time mm-hmm. and stopping the line. Uh-huh. So, meaning that it has a cost involved in this. The equipment in a factory like Garofalo's runs 24-7. One production line cranks out nearly 10,000 pounds of pasta an hour. If they're going to make my pasta, they have to stop a production line, spend a couple of days changing the dye out, then get it back up and running. Every minute not spent making pasta costs them money. So it's a pretty big ask. And a big part of whether or not it's worth it to them to do that is how much pasta I'm looking to make. I want about 5,000 pounds, which would be 5,000 boxes. If it sells, we can make more. And is there um, um, a minimum run, like the number of like pounds or units that... Um, yeah, there, mm-hmm. there is uh, usually around 1,200 cases for a long cut. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, um, the kind of quirky thing of us doing it as a podcast... Like, if, you know, if, if, if I was just like an individual starting, it'd be like uh, uh-huh. 1,000 is a lot. But like because of the because mm-hmm. we'll be selling it to our audience, that actually is a reasonable mm-hmm. thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking uh, girlfriend, uh, cases. In each case, there's 20 packs. Uh, ah! Cases, not packs. <laughs> yeah, cases. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking 24,000. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Garofalo minimum, 24,000 pounds. That's not going to work. Grazie no mille. Prego a te, buon pomeriggio. Grazie ciao, anche ciao. a te. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. We spend the fall of 2019 calling around to companies across the U.S., from Pennsylvania to Tennessee to North Dakota. The lowest minimum order we find is 30,000 pounds. That gives me the image of my driveway piled with 30,000 boxes of pasta, the kids and Janie and me frantically addressing packages by hand. On the other end, we find a lot of small shops that only make fresh pasta. They don't dry it, box it, or ship it. We need a company that's not too big, not too small. But our Goldilocks is nowhere to be found. I'm starting to think Chris Maldari was right. Solini Pasta. Hi, is this Steve? This is. As a last-ditch effort, I call up Sfolini Pasta, and I get Steve Gonzalez on the line. He's a chef who co-founded Sfolini in Brooklyn in 2012. Why pasta? I mean, I've always enjoyed making pasta, so it just kind of seemed like a, a good direction. I, I, we really didn't do any market research or put too much thought into it. We just kind of blindly went into it. I like that, Steve. I'm not, I haven't done any market research either. <laughs> <laughs> At first, Folini was a small operation in Brooklyn, but now they've become more industrial. They moved to rural upstate New York, near Albany, where they have a 37,000-square-foot facility. Their dried pastas are in Whole Foods and in specialty stores across the country. Our machine does about 1,000 pounds an hour. And is it, uh, is it running 24 hours a day? I wish. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it runs about 
eight to 10 hours a day, six days a week. Technically, by scale, we're actually small. This seems like it has potential. Even though Sfolini is way smaller than the pasta giants, they still produce over a million pounds of pasta a year, and they can dry it, box it, and ship it. Finally, we get to talking about minimums. Come on, 5,000. Come on, 5,000. Technically, if we turn our machine on and put the labor in, we tried, we have a 6,000 pound minimum. Close enough. We can do that. We have found our Goldilocks. That's what I'm saying inside my head, but I play it cool with Steve. So, Steve, here's the big question. I mean, this sounds great. It sounds like you are well-equipped to help me in this journey and to, to possibly partner together. Why should we use you? Uh, uh, this is, I'm not a good salesman. Uh, if you want to work with somebody else, go work with them. That's totally fine. <laughs> You should come down to the factory and like actually start to see the equipment. I think it'll give you a better feel. And I think you might be able to like start to wrap your head around what the process is going to be. All right. I'm going to keep working on the designs. And then once I have a better idea what the shape's going to look like, I'm going to come visit you. Okay. Sounds good. Our door's open. There are still details to be worked out, but it looks like we may have found someone to make our pasta. Take that, Chris Maldari. But my feeling of triumph quickly turns into panic because having a company to make my shape won't do me much good without a shape, which I still don't have. So I get to work. Remember, my initial concept is a variation on Mafalda, also known as Mafaldina. Mafalda is a long, flat pasta, like a fettuccine, but with ruffles all along the edges. In the middle flat part, I want to add ridges. Think corduroy. That'll increase surface area, which boosts sauceability. Now, I know I need something more, a real bolt of lightning to take it to the next level, but I don't know what that is yet. So I buy a sketchbook. Not just any sketchbook. This one has graph paper. It's pretty serious. I start carrying it with me everywhere I go. I fill the pages with different concepts while I sit on the sidelines at my daughter's soccer practice. I'm literally dreaming about pasta shapes. And I keep eating every shape I can get my hands on. In the store one day, I see a package of bucatini. Remember, this whole series started with a debate about bucatini. It's like spaghetti, but hollow down the center. Lots of people love it because they say the whole catches a lot of sauce, but I don't really think it does. I always thought it was overrated. Still, I'm in the research phase. So I give bucatini another shot. I cook it up for Janie and me. So <laughs> do you realize what shape of pasta this is? Um, bucatini? <laughs> yes, yes. My first thought after a bite or two, see, there's no sauce inside the tube, I told you. But I keep eating, and I start to notice something else. I'm having a major bucatini revelation right now. Like with, with other tube pastas, like penne or rigatoni, those are fat tubes. So when you bite into them, the tube just goes flat. You basically just have two layers of pasta on top of each other. But bucatini, because it's such a narrow tube, the walls resist the bite better. It's springy. So bucatini isn't about sauceability. It's about tooth sinkability. That's bucatini's superpower. I think with my shape, I want to try to get that thin tube action, that tooth sinkability and springiness. Yeah. This is huge. I never, I, I wasn't sold on bucatini until right now. I'm now realizing bucatini is as good as people have said. It's just good for a different reason than most people say. You should tell Evan. All you had to do is eat it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Evan, of course, is Evan Kleiman, my pasta fairy godmother and spiritual advisor on this journey. So as Janie suggests, I call Evan up to tell her about my Bucatini revelation. I think the adjective of springiness, of being springy, is a breakthrough descriptor. Yeah, I, I, I think that until I had this realization with Bucatini, in my head, tooth sinkability was only produced by thickness, chewiness, doughiness. And what I'm what I'm now realizing is that there are there's a second type of tooth sinkability, and that is springiness. Yes, I agree. And if I can make a shape that would have both the chewiness and the springiness, that would be a very special shape. Over the next few weeks, I sketch tons of ideas in my graph paper notebook. My head is swirling with Mafalda, Bucatini, the different ways to achieve sauceability, forkability, and the all-important tooth sinkability. I remind myself that I don't want a gimmick. I don't want to be outrageous just for the sake of it. I want a legitimately great shape. Finally, I think I got something. I pack my sketches and hop the train to Cooksaki, New York, a rural town about two and a half hours north of New York City. It's time to pay a visit to Spolini, the factory where I'm hoping our pasta will be made. Coming up, I reveal my shape to the guys there. Then I try to seal the deal to work with them. Stick around. Time to cook up some advertisements. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool... Almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the Choice Hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Recently, I went into my closet to try to get a collared shirt out, and it occurred to me that I don't think I have bought a new collared shirt in five years. I mean, (laughs) every shirt in there was either really old, or it had some kind of perma-stain situation, or it probably never fit right in the first place, I got to freshen up a little bit here. It's time for something new, right? And spring is coming. Now is the time if you've been looking to refresh your wardrobe, home, or skincare and beauty routines this season. Because, you know, Walmart has genuinely surprising style finds that don't break the bank. This spring, there's only one destination for the latest fashion, home, and beauty inspired by real life. Walmart. I freshened up my wardrobe. I got some nice dress shirts, a couple light hoodies. You know, you need light hoodies for the springtime. Very useful, very comfortable. Discover surprisingly stylish new season favorites at Walmart now or shop it all on the Walmart app. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending. Now trending your style at Walmart. 
It's been chilly here in the Northeast lately, and we have been on a big grilled cheese dipped into tomato sauce kick here in the Pashman household. And I've been making the grilled cheese with Hero sliced bread. The kids like the Hero classic white bread. I like the Hero seeded bread. It's fluffy. The crust is just right. And I like that the slices are sliced just a little bit thicker than a lot of other sliced breads. You griddle it in butter. You add some cheese. You dip it in the soup. Phenomenal. And all the Hero breads are low in net carbs and they're high in fiber. All these Hero breads are delicious and flavorful. They'll give you that soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. So whether you're making homemade grilled cheese, BLT, maybe a tuna melt sounds nice on some Hero seeded bread. I bet that would be really good. Maybe you're doing sliders on the Hawaiian rolls. Whatever it is, Hero has the bread for you. Don't give up being a breadhead. And Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code SPORKFUL at checkout. That's code SPORKFUL at H-E-R-O dot C-O. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? Their wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate? I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, you want to see the pasta sketches I've been telling you about? Follow me on Instagram. I'm posting photos there of all the various stops on this quest. And while you're on social media, please tell your friends about this special series. Encourage them to check it out. On Instagram, I'm at The Sporkful. Thanks. Quick warning that there is one bit of profanity a little later in this episode. It's January 9th, 2020. Happy New Year. I think it's going to be a great year. Totally free of global pandemics for sure. I arrive at Spolini. From the outside, it looks more like an office park building than a factory. Damn, what's up? You must be Steve. I am. Hey. Nice to meet you. You too. Oh, well, you're Steve's the guy I talked to on the phone. He's a trained chef who oversees the making of the pasta. He's wearing a baseball cap caked in flour, his hair sticking out from under the hat in all directions at once. They're in the middle of a production run, so Steve takes me straight back to the factory area to see the magic happen. Oh, oh you give me a hairnet. Thank you. We're going to need to photograph this. So, so great. Oh, it smells like pasta in here. It smells like pasta in here. It smells like flour and water. The pasta plant is big enough to fit a medium-sized airplane. In fact, they used to make parts for Boeing here. The actual machine making the pasta only takes up one area. It reminds me of a kid's playground, like you'd see at a park, because it has stairs that go up to a second level where there's like a lookout platform. Then the pasta comes down through the machine as if it's on a slide. Steve points out a giant basin of flour that gets pumped through a big straw up to that second floor of the machine. That's where the water comes in to hydrate the flour, and then the mixture goes into a... High-speed centrifuge, which is pretty much smashing the water into the semolina molecules. First mix, spinning, and then it gets transferred over here. This is like an air... This is the final mix, which is going down to the screw. From that second mixing container, the dough is pushed down through the dye. Again, remember the Play-Doh factory where you push the dough through the star-shaped insert and it comes out shaped like a star? That star-shaped disc is the dye. So I'm watching the pasta dough being extruded through the dye, going from a blob to a pasta shape. Today, they're making rigatoni. It's actually very simple. It's very simple. (laughs) 
There's not there's nothing too complicated about it. So now we have little rigatonis, little tubes with ridges on the outside dropping onto this conveyor belt. And then they're getting put through this shaker. Shaker, which does what? It's pretty much shaking off about 3% of the outside humidity and putting a little crust on the pasta. Feel the difference. The fresh one's very soft. The other one is sort of like half dry. Yeah, just making it a little bit more durable. They hold their shape. And then after that, we'll load it into the dryers. Spends nine hours in the dryer. The next day, comes back out, gets loaded into totes, and then goes into packing. Steve walks me over to the dies. They're a row of solid bronze discs, very heavy, about the size of extra thick manhole covers. Each die has about 100 holes that the dough goes through at once, so they can push out a bunch of rigatonis or whatever at a time. The larger the disc, the more holes in it, the more pasta you can make at once. Steve says the really huge companies that do 10,000 pounds an hour, their dies are the size of jet engines. It's pretty exciting to hold a pasta die, to think that one day I'll have a die that's the only one like it in the world, the key that unlocks a shape that I invented. I imagine the day that I'll stand at the end of Steve's conveyor belt and watch my shape roll off the presses. I can see it, but it still feels far away, hazy. After the tour, I take off my lab coat and hairnet, and we meet up with the other co-founder of Sfolini to talk business. Scott Ketchum, vice president. Okay. <laughs> Why did you laugh after saying that? Uh, we're still great. in the process of determining all those at the moment. <laughs> got it. Okay. Can I be a vice president? Yeah, why not? All right, great. I just got promoted. This is great. (laughs) Scott's the business guy, and he's dressed like a VP. Neat hair, crisp dress shirt, dark jeans. It's time to strike a deal. Here's what I propose. So, uh, like I said, so I I would maintain ownership of the shape, exclusive license to Sfoglini. I tell them that I'll pay for the dye, which Chris Maldari estimated would cost about $5,000. They would pay for the cost of making the pasta, the flour, the labor, etc., which we think will run about $15,000. We'll co-brand it as Folini Pasta by The Sporkful. They'll sell it through their website. They'll handle packing and shipping. When money starts coming in, we'll get paid back in proportion to our initial investments. If the shape ever turns a profit, I'll be paid a royalty for licensing the shape to them. I'm hoping this will end up being great for both of us. But 15K is a lot for a company like Sfolini to invest. They've never done a collaboration like this with a real chef, let alone a podcast host who hasn't run a successful food business since his lemonade stand. Okay. That's what I was asking. Like, we'll be doing all the storage, shipping, and fulfillment? That's right. Okay. That's pretty time intensive. So it means we've just got to sit down and look at how much that's going to cost. And then we can look at that percentage and make sure that everyone's making the right amount of money. As I tell Scott, I'm confident we can get the numbers to work. So, assuming we do? Well, I think conceptually it's a great fit for us. I mean, Steve picked out a lot of unique shapes when we started the company because we wanted to really be known for our, having different offerings than what everybody else had. So this is just an evolution of that. It'd be great for us to be a part of it. So in principle, we have a deal. Then Scott hits me with a bunch of important questions I still have to answer. Big challenge ahead is how you're going to package and this. You want a semolina pasta, I presume. You want them all to come from America? Are you open to looking at different grains? Do you want it organic, non-organic? Where would you see the price point? What do you think you want to sell it at? I have no answers to any of these questions right now. There's really just one question they have that I can answer. What's the shape? But first, do you uh, hereby solemnly swear not to disclose my pasta shape without my permission? Yeah, I won't tell anybody. Okay. I swear. Okay, good. I don't have a Bible or anything. Put put your hand on my recorder. (laughs) All right. This is the first time I'm showing my idea to anyone, let alone two people who make pasta for a living. 
I start to worry that my sweaty palms might smudge the sketch. So this is still, you know, a rough draft. Got it. Rough, you know, very much open to discussion. I even got graph paper. It looks more official. Here it is. So it's a long shape. Yep. It bears some resemblance to Mafalda or Mafaldina. I want to add ridges down the center. And then what I want to add is what I'm calling a tooth sinkability strip. Imagine like a very fine bucatini running on one side. That's, that's this dark line here in the diagram. Steve and Scott squint. The sketch is very detailed with different views and cross sections and measurements down to the millimeter. It's a complex noodle that you've put together. I choose to take that as a compliment. Scott and Steve think it's a good start, but they aren't the ones who can tell me whether this pasta can actually be made. I think the real person, the dream crusher or dream realizer is going to be uh, the Moldari guys. They're going to they're going to be the ones that are going to tell you whether this is really possible or not. When I first met Chris Maldari, he told me about how he always wanted to be a screenwriter. I thought he saw in me a kindred spirit, a fellow dreamer. But in the end, when he told me I'd never find a company to work with me, he was more like a brick wall. Now I've done what he said was impossible. I found a partner. I've broken through that wall. Next, I need Chris to give me the green light on my shape. So I email a sketch to him, and I wait. You know that feeling when you're waiting for something that's really important to you, like the results of a pregnancy test or that coconut cake you ordered online? That's how I feel about getting Chris's feedback. A week goes by. Finally, I get him on the phone. The only thought that I have is that it's not really that different from what's out there. In other words, you're just adding a corrugation down the middle. Listen, I'm so happy that you're trying to figure out a new shape, and I really hate to be a bubble burster, but I don't want you to waste your money. Did you see, in addition to the corrugation, there's also my tooth sinkability strip, which is, uh, which is similar to like a bucatini laid down the length of it. Yeah, hang on. Let me just, let me just grab it. Hold on one second. At this point, I realize Chris has barely looked at what I sent him. It's starting to feel like he just doesn't take me seriously. So much for my graph paper. Okay, sporkful. Yeah, sinkability strip. You, you won't be able to put a sinkability strip in there. So in other words, you want almost like a, a bucatini laid down in the middle of it? Yeah, if you look in sort of the bottom right corner of the yeah, sketch yeah. where you see the cross yeah. section. Yeah, that's not possible. Why not? It's because you're, you're looking to put two pasta shapes into one. So there's no way to have a tube be part of like a Malfaldine for that, for right. example. I, I'm describing it as a tube or a bucatini just because that's like the, the easy way to picture it or to think of it. But really, it's more just like a bump that, ha that has a hole yeah. down the center. See, when you, when you extrude pasta, you, you pretty much can only do one thing at a time. You can make things twist, you can make things curve, but you can't have two different types of pasta extruding at one time out of one insert. As Chris says this, I think of the pasta created by the famous designer, Philippe Stark, the one that the architect Georges Lejean told me about a while back. It's a short tube, and on the outside of the tube, there are two mini-tubes, like little bucatinis stuck on either side. That looks to me like at least two pasta shapes being extruded at once. So while we're on the phone, I email Chris a photo of that shape. I say, see these little bucatinis on this pasta? That's what I want. Okay, so basically that's... <laughs> Is that where you jacked that idea? 
I like to think of it as taking creative inspiration, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Giving you some profanity, it looks like a clusterfuck. As Chris says this, I read down the page on the link I just sent him. I had only looked at the picture before. The article says nobody could ever get Stark's shape to cook evenly. In the end, it concludes, the pasta failed. Chris insists my shape just cannot be made. I can't have both the hollow bucatini tube and the Mafalda ruffles along the edges. It takes less than a second for the dough to pass through the die. In that time, the shape is made. The movement required to create the ruffles along the edges would flatten the tube. I'd love to help you. I'd love to take your money. But in all good conscience, I can't tell you that you're going to get anywhere with this idea. I still believe that if I can combine the best of Mafalda with the best of Bucatini with another flourish or two, I will have a fantastic shape. But I'm going to have to find another way to do it. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that process can't involve me emailing sketches to Chris, then waiting a week to find out he's barely looked at them. I need someone who'll carefully look through my sketches and suggest alternatives. I need to be able to look over this person's shoulder as they design the die on a computer. We have to go back and forth making adjustments till it's done. I realize now that Chris isn't going to be that person for me. Chris is the front man of the company. He does know a lot about pasta dyes, but he's not the one designing them. He's in New York. The manufacturing work happens at a factory up in Massachusetts. I need to talk to an actual designer there. I asked Chris if I can please talk directly with the designer. You really can't. They're busy doing what they're doing. They're manufacturing. And believe me, it's nothing personal. It's even with, you know, even with our big customers, it's to a point where they just don't have time to talk to anybody. Chris says I can't speak to the designer, and I really can't piss Chris off. He runs the only pasta dye company in America. But what would Juan Guzman do? Hello? Hi, I'm interested in talking with someone about um, trying to get a custom pasta dye made. Uh, okay. And I That's... hear you make the best pasta dyes. Um, thank you. Just a second. All right, thank you. I find a number online for the factory. I'm pretty sure there's only one guy who designs the dyes. I just have to find a way to get to him. Hello, is Giovanni? Uh, hi, Giovanni. My name is Dan Pashman, and uh, I'm interested in getting a custom pasta dye made. Okay. Giovanni asked me not to continue recording, so that's all you're going to hear from him. But about 10 seconds into the call, I find out that he is the designer. I just called, and they transferred me, and the guy who picked up is Giovanni Canada of Dracut, Massachusetts, who, as far as I can tell, is the only pasta dye designer working in America today. But the conversation doesn't go exactly the way I hoped. After we hang up, my producer Emma and I reenact the conversation with Emma in the role of Giovanni. So, Giovanni, I, I, I desperately need to meet with you in person because, like, I need to sit down with you so that I can talk through the shape. You can tell me what works and what doesn't work, and we can finalize the design. Can I please meet with you soon? It's going to be two months, Dan. Two months? I have to wait two months? Isn't there somebody else who does what you do? I'm the only one. I'm the guy you need, Dan. Do the thing where you're like, I'm, uh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm going to be in Minnesota next week. I'm going to Minnesota next week. I have a trade show. I have to, I have to be there. Uh, what, what if I come to Minnesota 
I'll fly out there, and then, like, you work all day at the trade show, and then I'll take you out to dinner, and we'll talk through the shapes over dinner. Not going to happen. Not going to happen, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Am I embodying him? Lana? Yes, it was, it was just this demoralizing. <laughs> just to reiterate, Giovanni doesn't have time for a single meeting with me for two months. So as I tell Emma, I'll do what I do worst. Wait. But I do feel a ray of hope because I believe that once I get into the room with Giovanni, we're going to finish the shape. Coming up, I meet with Giovanni. But the trip to Massachusetts turns into a Zoom because while I'm waiting, a big new obstacle, the obstacle, emerges. Stick around. Advertisements, yummy. We bought our house 10 years ago, and we've been slowly but surely redoing various parts of it as we can. And if part of your apartment or house needs a makeover, you walk by it every day, you might not notice. Then you go to someone else's house, you're like, oh, like it could, it could look like this. But, you know, I get it. Figuring out where to start on big projects like a complete room makeover can be overwhelming. That's where Crate and Barrel comes in. They have a free interior design service. You can get a design pro to provide design and styling help for big projects or small. Whether you're redesigning your living room, choosing a new dining room table and chairs, or even just styling a bookshelf, you can work one-on-one with a design pro. Get 2D layouts and even 3D renderings. You can actually see your space to help you decide. And let me tell you something, that is huge. You know, it can be hard to visualize. Like, sure, it looks nice in the picture on the website or in the showroom, but... Is it going to look nice in your house? Well, now you don't need to guess because the Crate and Barrel Design Desk is going to help you. Have fun exploring the possibilities of what you can redesign or have the design desk help. Go to CrateAndBarrel.com or to your local store to make an appointment with the Crate and Barrel Design Desk. I recently discovered a new cut of steak that I am in love with. It's called the Bavette Steak. Have you heard of it? It's also known as Flap Steak. It's a little bit thicker than a flank steak. It is long and flat and tender. It literally melts in your mouth, and I discovered it thanks to Good Chop. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered right to your door on your schedule. Good Chop especially prides itself on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. No artificial ingredients, only the good stuff. And they're introducing me to cuts and fish that I just didn't know about. Rockfish. I've heard of rockfish. I just never bought it at a fish market. They sent me some wild-caught rockfish. So go to goodchop.com slash sporkful120 and use code sporkful120 to get $120 off your first four boxes. That's code sporkful120 at goodchop.com slash sporkful120 for $120 off. One more time, goodchop.com slash sporkful120. Code Sporkful120. All right, we're back. In the lead up to my meeting with Giovanni, I'm sketching shape after shape. My first idea was rejected, but I still believe in the underlying concept, bringing together the best of Mafalda, the best of Bucatini, and a little bit of flair. I just have to find a new way to do it. Our meeting is set for late March 2020. Now, as you may recall, right around this time, COVID lockdowns go into effect across much of the U.S. 
So our in-person meeting turns into a Zoom. Hey, Giovanni. We connect. Good, how are you? Great to meet you via video. Giovanni's in his office. He's 37, shaved head, plaid button-up shirt. I look like I'm literally like broadcasting from a dungeon. <laughs> For the Wizard of Pasta Oz, he's actually very friendly. Seems genuinely interested in what I'm doing. But he doesn't want his voice in the podcast. He's very nice about it. He says he's just more comfortable staying behind the curtain. So Emma and I thought we'll recreate the conversation with an actor playing Giovanni. We reached out to people with Boston ties who could sound like Giovanni. John Krasinski, Bill Burr, John Cena. They didn't respond. Then we thought, how about an actor who's known to be really into Italian food, like Stanley Tucci? Again, nothing. So instead, in the role of Giovanni, I'm pleased to present Mike Sloan of Worcester, Massachusetts, cousin of Sporkful senior producer Emma Morgenstern. Hey, Giovanni. Hey, Dan. Good to connect. So first off, just tell me, like, how did you get into this line of work? If you want to go way back, my grandfather had a pasta plant in Sicily after World War II. Giovanni was born in Sicily. He came to the U.S. as a kid when his father got a job at the Prince Pasta Factory in Lowell, Mass. Eventually, Giovanni's father and a partner went out on their own, opening Damari Pasta Dyes. After going to school for machining, Giovanni joined the business. A few years ago, Giovanni's company joined forces with our friend Chris Maldari's company and put Giovanni in charge of all the manufacturing. That's how he ended up as the only pasta dye designer in the U.S. The work is highly specialized. These shapes are very difficult to develop. Customers will give you a shape. We want to make this shape, or we're currently producing that shape. It has four twists per inch, and we want six twists per inch. Or this cook time, and it needs to be at that cook time. Why is that so hard? Well, the dough that goes through the dye is wet. And the final product that Giovanni's customers want is dried pasta. And as it dries, the pasta changes. It shrinks, curls. Giovanni has to account for those changes. So the wet pasta that comes out of the dye he designs has to become the dried pasta the company wants. The difference between success and failure can be thousandths of an inch. Ahead of our meeting, I sent Giovanni my sketches, on graph paper, of course. I had numbered them by what design round I was in. Series one was already garbage. Series two, Chris Maldari told me to throw in the garbage. So now we're on series three. I labeled the designs 3.1, 3.2, etc. We start ticking through the sketches, with Giovanni giving me feedback on each. Uh, so 3.1, that's going to be hard to pack. 3.2. I don't like that it's not symmetrical. 3.3. It's going to want to curve every which way. It's going to flop over when it cooks. It's extremely difficult. It might flop over when it extrudes. One by one, so Giovanni shoots down it's each of my sketches. It's going to be extremely difficult to dry inside here. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's not going to work. Into the trash. I don't want to rain on your parade here, Dan, but I got to be realistic. This is discouraging. I still have two more left, but I can already tell 3.8 won't work based on the problems with the first six. So now 3.7, you're onto something. So that would extrude, that would maintain its shape, and you could dry it. So I could do variations of 3.7, and you'd have something unique that I think would work. 3.7 is similar to my last concept. We have the mafalda, that's the long, flat noodle with ruffles. And along the flat middle strip, we have ridges. The old version had a bucatini-like tube running down the middle. But Chris Maldari said you can't make a tube and ruffles at the same time. So instead of a closed tube on that strip, we now have a bump, a half tube that's open on the bottom, running the length of the noodle. Have you ever seen this shape? No. Okay. And and based on putting aside engineering questions for a minute, but just from a pasta eater's perspective, 
What do you think of this concept? Um, I think it would be good. So 3.7 it is. Giovanni shares his screen with me as he starts working in his design software to actually make the die. Now, this even requires some imagination on my part in the moment. I'm only seeing the die, not the shape that'll come out of it. At first, all I can see on Giovanni's screen is a bronze disc with a slit in the middle and small circles on each end of the slit. Giovanni explains that those circles will make the ruffles. We discuss the width of the noodle, the ruffle height. Giovanni even breaks out calipers to measure a pasta sample I sent him. Then it's time to add the tooth sinkability strip, which is now a bump. Think of it as half a bucatini. And remember, if you want to see what it looks like, I'll post pictures on my Instagram. Giovanni keeps tweaking and tweaking. Okay, that's what we've got now. I think that's pretty good. I mean, that's going to be quite the bite. Yeah, I like the looks of that. We just have to watch out about pinching too much, where the ruffles meet the main strip. Otherwise, next thing you know, when you cook it, these ruffles are all falling off. Right. Don't want that. That's bad quality. It's really exciting to see this, to watch it actually come together before our eyes. It just makes the whole thing feel a lot more real. Good. I just can't wait to hold it in my hands. We're getting there. This is a big step. After two months of waiting and a two-hour Zoom, we've got it. While it all sounds encouraging, Giovanni tempers my excitement. He thinks the shape will work, but he can't be sure till we actually start pushing dough through the dye. And while he thinks he can get the dye done in about a month, he's not making any promises. Still, the only pasta dye maker in the country has approved my shape and is going to start making my dye. I thank Giovanni, hang up, and rush upstairs to tell Janie and the kids. Hey, you guys. What? I have a pasta shape. You did? I want to see it. Let me see it. Come check it out. Look. Well, here's the thing. So you can't, you won't see what the pasta looks like. You're going to see what the mold that creates the pasta looks like. Okay. I have to say that that shape reminds me of absolutely nothing I've ever seen before. (laughs) Emily, what do you think? I like doing what I'm doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, picturing the shape based on the dye requires some imagination. Or maybe you just can't compete with Barbie life in the dream house. Bottom line, we have a shape. Coming up in part four, the guys at Sfolini get their first look at it. There's nothing like it. I gotta say, that was kind of cool to see a new shape is born. But a lot of work remains before I have a finished product. And that becomes especially clear once we start testing it. Uh, This is very disappointing. Because it's separating? Yeah, the ruffles are falling off. I mean, that's a big problem. Plus, the mission falls victim to forces beyond my control. To realize my dreams, I have to take extreme measures. You're a genius or a crazy man. That's next week in part four of Mission Impossible. If you want to make sure you don't miss that one, please connect with our show in your podcasting app. In Spotify, click follow. In Apple Podcasts, subscribe. In Stitcher, favorite. You can go ahead and click that right now while you're listening. Thanks. This show is produced by me along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producers Andre Sohero and Ngofen Putubuele. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Additional editing and production by Peter Clowney, Daisy Rosario, Ann Sani, Gianna Palmer, Nora Ritchie, and Daphne Chen. This show is mixed by Jared O'Connell. Theme music by Andrea Christensdotter. With additional music help from Black Label Music. Special thanks to Mike Sloan. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney and Daisy Rosario. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Sadia in Ashland, Oregon, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. Better.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 